0: inspired by people i'm mostly inspired by interactions and just kind of little things that happen that just it can be anything it can be the you know the tape on the lighting system here i can get inspired by or i can get inspired by riding my horse at the weekends starting your own business can be a mean feat but there's no loss of people wanting to give it away popular programs dragon's den and
1: however christopher You do work hard. There is no question of that. I think you do get on with people. My concern is that you perhaps don't have that spark of entrepreneurial genius. That is what I'm looking for. I think you're not from my organisation, so
2: you're fired.
0: Yep, you guessed it. The Apprentice have seen hopeful youngsters try their hand at business start-up and more often than not, like we've just heard, get that same hand bitten off. I'm sure those eager to swim in the startup pond are all too familiar with the stats that 90% of businesses fail, whilst only 10% succeed. Something Forbes magazine deems a hard and bleak truth, stating entrepreneurs may even want to write their failure post-mortem before they launch their business. Now, this might sound negative to those starting out, or you could flip it over and think the more that you know about the risks, the better in order to avert them. But what does make a good entrepreneur
1: uh, you have to be a great listener um, you have to be a great motivator uh, you have to uh, be very good at praising and looking for the best in people um, you know people are no different from, from flowers if you water flowers they flourish if you um, praise people they flourish and um, and that's a critical attribute. A of a leader.
0: In an attempt to make sense of it all, my first series of New Kid on the Block looks at young adults who are beginning to turn water into wine with their respective businesses, exploring how it all began whilst also focusing on the topic of university and whether it is or isn't the best option.
3: If I ever hear my kids say the word failure, um, i I locked them in a room for a week. You've got to be able to have a very clear vision of your business idea. If a description of an entrepreneur is that I want to do it all before I die, then I'm that. Research and feasibility are fundamentally important when starting a new business. A new business venture will require the majority of your time, effort and dedication.
0: Britain has traditionally been a nation of entrepreneurs and it seems that's not stopping anytime soon, with an entrepreneurial culture rolling out in the UK. Initiatives in Britain, such as Young Enterprise and the University Entrepreneurship Society, are helping to ingrain this startup culture into young people. Whilst back in the day, being an entrepreneur might have been starting your own record label or construction company, nowadays people can start eBay businesses or blogs online and use new technology to jump aboard this entrepreneurial bandwagon. Back in 2013, all corners of the UK were witnessing a wave of startups coming to the surface. And only last year in 2017 were there more than one new startup being launched every minute, making entrepreneurship a very relevant subject in 2018. With this in mind, are people less inclined to go to university and instead start their own business or embark on their careers without a degree? Whilst I don't promise to answer the question in the next half hour, I do promise to provide you with interviews with those who have experienced the world of startup themselves. So, without further ado, here's NuKid on the block. find myself in the sunnier climes of England's South Coast for this first interview. In a quaint little country pub, I meet with Ellie Taylor, owner of Ellie Jane Photography, to discuss how she's managed her success with a photography business at the ripe young age of 23. I'm with Ellie Taylor, and so you didn't go to uni and you just started your business. So why did you do that then?
4: Um, I never really knew what I was going to do until I got to college. And by that point, I realised that, like... I didn't feel like uni was the best path for photography. The classroom was never really my thing, like, at school I never, I think I spent more time outside the classroom than inside the classroom. So I I definitely feel like the practical side of it was more important than, like I learned all the basics at college and then when I finished college and was waitressing I met someone that took me on as an assistant so that gave me the like the knowledge and like the experience of doing weddings and stuff with her. yeah
0: so how did you um, get taken on as a sister then did you just meet them randomly yeah like? literally now obviously you've got your own studio yeah so how did that yeah. all come about and how did that happen was it money from you taking photos and you just
4: built it up yeah pretty much yeah. um i mean weddings started first. So, obviously, you don't need a location to do that because you're at the venue. So, then I built the kit up because I went with that. Um, I never got a loan or anything because I wanted it to be like self sufficient from the start. So I'd build all my equipment up for that, and then uh, I just really liked the idea of doing studio shoots. Yes. So it started like in my mum's living room. Like I'd have all my all the professional set up. It'd just be in my mum's living room when I lived there. How much are you charging
0: for like photo shoots and things like that? So it and how did you know as well to like what to charge?
4: Oh, pricing. the yeah. So I find it so difficult to yeah, price yeah. yourself because yeah. it's literally like. Yeah, it's just like putting like a price on the price tag in yourself. Yeah, your exactly. yeah, exactly. And like, I've, I mean, I've built it up slowly over the last few years. I think maybe every 16 months or so, like, I sort of put them up a little bit or. Yeah, because you more experience. Yeah, and also, if, like, I try and only take between 20 and 25 weddings a year because I've got the studio. on the tube,
0: I'm on my way to Angel, um, and I'm in London, and I'm actually going to interview two people uh, in the coffee industry, so Will, he owns uh, a coffee cart called Roots, and what he does is he he takes it all around different locations, and that's how he's made his income, that's his business. Um, Him and his girlfriend, Heidi, she is a barista, she's taken part in the World Championships um, and she specialises in latte art. I'm going to go and chat to her there. bought
5: a van on eBay for £500 oh, yeah. and put a coffee machine in the back of it and started doing small events and festivals and then eventually through time we've just managed to upgrade it yeah. and now we've got a shop in Hackney Wick.
0: You've got an actual shop there haven't you? A shop yeah. in Hackney Wick, yeah. yeah.
5: And, um, and we just do lots of events and festivals. Yeah. And yeah. how old
0: were you when you started it along? Uh, 23. 23? Yeah. How did you reach out to people and find that you could like, just go to festivals and things like that?
5: Just through people we already knew in the yeah. industry. Yeah. But, um, email.
0: How do you find London compared to, is it Winchester? Yeah. And anywhere else? like Is
5: London more expensive than like? London? It is way more expensive. Yeah. Tougher like, lifestyle. Yeah. But you have to yeah, you have to work all the time anyway to be able to survive. Exactly. What I mean, yeah. yeah,
0: definitely. Do you use social media a lot? Or yeah,
5: I try to, I'm just not very good at it. You? Yeah, we try and put like one photo up yeah. a week. Yeah. But you should be doing it like you two or three days. Like, yeah. So where
0: did you learn to make coffee really well? Was it in Australia? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah I used to work with some amazing boosters. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, I um really I got lucky because my friend hooked me up with a Owner of a roastery out there, so I flew over, and then the next day I was in his cafe making coffee with some of like the, the best baristas so in Sydney. So yeah.
0: What's the plan for your business?
5: Good question. <laughs> we try not to think about that. I mean, you should have like a plan with yeah. business, but yeah. ours is like pretty Different. organic, yeah. and it's for us. It's more about the lifestyle. So we wanted to be able to do something ourselves. Not have to work for anyone, yeah. and doing events means we can run our own schedule. So um, yeah, I think just keep on, keep on doing music festivals, yeah. having fun. Yeah. And,
0: and just do you think um, how it goes. people should go to university if they want to start their own business, or do you think they should just do
5: it? A... I think it's probably a good idea studying to go to, yeah. studying business, like yeah. not necessarily uni, but doing a course. But because. Yeah, we've learned a lot just from starting it. Yeah. But it's like you move forward and then you get like hit back yeah. twice. Yeah. So, yeah. As
0: Will's girlfriend, a freelance barista, I was interested to know how she obtained work. She informed me it was through an app. It's a company called Milk No Sugar. Yeah. And it's just basically a group of baristas
4: who decided that they didn't want to work for a company anymore and they kind of wanted to just do events yeah. or, like, just specialise in events. Yeah. So...
0: So that's been really helpful to like find.
4: Yeah, so now they've got like more businesses on their books and stuff, and they've got like other coffee shops and events companies where they need to create So I'm
0: actually just going to interview um, like people on the street and ask them about whether you should go to university or not to start your own business. Um, so I thought, why not just go to Knightsbridge to ask people, because it's going to be busy, it's a Saturday. So here we are. If you were to start your own business, do you think you should just do it or do you think you should go to university before? Uh, I think do it. Just um, do it? Yeah,
4: just do it. Yeah, and not go to uni? Uh, I think we can do them together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. start start business and uh, uh, go to the university and do some uh, study. So if you're starting your own business, yeah. do
0: you think it's better to go to university and learn about how to do uh, that?
6: Yeah, uh, I think it's better. Why? Because I study this uh, business mm-hmm. and uh, I will learn, learn from it.
0: Okay, yeah. so you think it's better and you're studying business at the moment? No,
6: no?
4: I'm, I'm gonna study uh, maybe. You're gonna business. study business?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you think it would be better when you start your own business one day to have that like knowledge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: I think it's
0: okay. better. Hi there, I just wanna ask you so if you were starting your own business, do you think you should go to university or not? And like, why? Well, having been to university, I actually feel I would go against going to university. Just because landing with a £50,000 debt and if you're starting your own business and you've got that debt on your shoulders, Uh it makes things a whole lot more complicated when you need to apply for loans. And, um, but do you know that you're going like, to amass the same amount of debt? Like, or, like, you know, if you get a bank loan to start your own business, for example? Like, for sure, but you need a loan. bank loan to start your own business regardless of whether or not you go to university. That's So enough. you'd have double the debt? Yeah. And no one cares if you have a degree or not when you start a successful business. If you were starting your own business or anyone, do you think it's better to go to university or just do it without going to university?
1: you've got the money, just do it. Do you
0: think? Yeah.
1: Put the money in contact, do it. Yeah. But otherwise, you'd have to go uni.
0: You think is probably the best option? Yeah. If so you wanted to start your own business, do you think is better to go to, or would you just do it without going to university?
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, if you need qualifications for it, definitely, yeah. go uni. But I would also say, look into that industry. And find out who does what,
6: Right. Okay. and try
1: to get some experience under your belt. So get your hands dirty, basically, yeah. in that industry. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like non-payment really, uh-huh. but you're experiencing, right? Okay. You're learning. Now you probably heard a lot of story about the, uh, you know, the people who quit college and started a business and raise a lot of money and be billionaires. And you heard a lot of those names. I don't need to mention. But those are the reckless, abandoned type, you know. They're really great. You know, there are very few genius in us, and probably maybe a few in this room as well, that just got started and have that great idea, and they get on their path, and they're very successful. But that's a very, very few. What about the rest of us? What about you and me? You know, the regular people who go to college, got a degree, go to work, How do we do
0: it? In that clip, we hear Fu Huang doing a TED Talk about how some of us get luckier than others... But that's not stopping people, and the UK startup revolution shows no sign of ending. Last year, nearly 660,000 companies were established. That's up from 608,000 in 2015. University to one side for a little while. Something that's often overlooked when it comes to business startup is the monetary side of things. And I wanted to know more about this in a bid to wrap my head around exactly how young people do it. Was I missing a trick? Where does the money come from? I spoke to startups.co.uk writer Shane Donnelly for the inside scoop.
7: I suppose the if we were to if I was to give a general yeah. bit of advice to people, um, it would probably be that you don't to start a business. Um, you don't necessarily need um, a revolutionary idea. Okay. So a lot of times people have this perception that to start a business or to have a successful business, that they need to reinvent the wheel, yeah. um, and that's not really true of the majority yeah. of businesses. The people don't realize actually that. You know, there's there's a big concept nowadays of what's called a a side hustle, where you can be working a full-time job or a part-time job, and you can actually have a business on the side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, that will take form um, in your hobby. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, nowadays you get plenty of people that are interested in clothes. They might have a small clothes business on the side, Mm -hmm. uh, making furniture. uh, You know, even, you know, um, markets are quite popular, Mm -hmm. so people can sell baked goods. So my idea, my best bit of advice probably be is that people don't necessarily... um, you know,
0: have to come up, with, come up with an
7: amazing idea yeah. that's going to transform yeah. their lives. And Sometimes it can just be a very, very simple idea that they're very, very passionate yeah, about. Of course. And there are plenty of like low, low budget business ideas that people can use to test the waters. So they don't need to necessarily put an awful amount of um, capital into a business when starting it. A good example would be. Um, what they call nowadays the rise of the ebay entrepreneur right. so it's the idea that people just from their homes on their laptop can just sell things on ebay Exactly. and yeah. that in yeah. itself um, is a business yeah you say I
0: wanted to start my own business but I didn't have money but I was really passionate about something mm-hmm. like where where would an entrepreneur like a, a start someone starting mm-hmm. the
7: six main sources um, of finance for an entrepreneur for a startup oh, yeah. um, these would be business loans mm-hmm. uh, small business grants uh, invoice financing or factoring uh, Rewards based crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding, angel investors, um, and kind of the seventh one is bootstrapping. But what bootstrapping is that you yeah. don't you don't raise any money. Okay. So you to bootstrap the business means that you you you, you uh, run and grow the business without receiving any external finance. Wow. So that's no investment whatsoever. So you just start it. Yeah. So you start it with with yeah. whatever. Um, <coughs> What's that called again? That's uh, called. Bootstrapping. bootstrapping. So B O okay. O T. Something. To put yourself up by the boots. <laughs> and what's an angel investment? So an angel investment is, uh, when you get angel investment from a business, um, and it, an angel is essentially a high net worth right, individual okay, yeah. um, who um, in, invests um, in, in your business. Uh, but obviously, um, with, with angel investment, um, you'll be required to give equity for them. Mm-hmm. So what equity essentially is, is if you own the business outright yourself, so if you start a business tomorrow. You've got 100% equity. So that means that you own the entirety okay. of the business, the yeah. whole thing. Whereas with angel investment, um, it's a usually a high net worth individual who will invest in the business. Um, oftentimes they'll invest via a venture capital fund. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they invest, they'll expect a return on that investment. And how they get that through is they will take equity from your business. They will control a certain percentage of that business. And once, um, you know, once you start to make money, they'll be due dividends and stuff, yeah. and depending on how much they own the business, um, they'll obviously have in certain other kind of entitlements, but obviously the advantage of an angel investment, and the main advantage is, aside from the financial aspect of them investing money, um, is that you will be able to, or the hope is at least, is that you will be able to gain a lot from them um, in terms of their so, ex- their expertise, connections, yeah. um, advice. So it would be like
0: stuff. just throwing in dragons den.
7: Uh, yeah, Dragon's Den would be would that be, be a, be kind a of like, yes. A, yeah. yeah, the Dragon's Den they scenario where the they give they, they will take quite a, in often cases quite a big slice big of the pie. Yeah. but they'll um, uh, the, the the assumption would be that the expertise they have will be you know very good probably for a business yeah. and pushing yeah. them forward. Yeah. it's always yeah.
0: beneficial to learn about the monetary side of things, cash flow, and understanding money can be a real issue for entrepreneurs. Research from the Asset-Based Finance Association, which is ABFA, found that clients of small companies take on average 72 days to pay an invoice, with micro-business owners waiting six weeks longer to be paid than larger firms. Seven out of ten small business owners cite cash flow problems as the biggest threat to their company, with late payment being one of the most common causes. Next up, I asked Dominic Chapman, owner of recruitment app StemX, how he got to where he is. So the people like, that are really kind of inexperienced and they want to like be you, for example, they want to do what you've done, They're, like, you know, just starting out, like how do you, like your office for example, where did that come from, who pays for it, like, do you know what I mean, like, are you just, did you just get lucky or was it kind of...
3: No,
5: didn't do alone. Yeah. Um, just so we were super lucky to start because we had yeah. people with money who <laughs> yeah. could initially invest, yeah. and
4: they were brought into the idea,
6: yeah.
4: and they believed into well, a kid, who yeah. thought, thought he could deliver it. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I'm getting
5: there, I'm getting there. Um, so I think like. <laughs> Being able to get somewhere is like a, a formula, which is like luck plus opportunity plus taking the opportunity. Yeah, like, you Not or everyone sees yeah. the opportunities yeah. to take. So everyone, people say I'm lucky, but they don't you see don't that don't I've been working that. like
1: 12 hours a day
5: yeah. for the last another two another years. Another question:
0: like how often are you working? Like
4: every single day. Every single day. day. Every single day. Yeah.
0: It's like your baby. Yeah. So. Like you're being We've heard from some non uni goers, if you will, both with mixed opinions on whether it would have helped or hindered their start-up journey. But what about those who did go to university? First, I chat to Amy Bell, aka the blogger The Little Magpie, a girl who's racked up a wow worthy 143,000 followers and counting on Instagram after innocently starting her blog at university. Amy makes her money by posting style photos on Instagram and her lifestyle blog, showcasing her eclectic fashion. Ballpark figures show that those with 100,000 followers or more on social media can earn an average of £350 per photo. And with influencers flooding the social media scene nowadays, it seems Amy was someone who was lucky enough to start before the hype. So I'm just here with Amy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. And so, when did you start your blog? And can you just tell us about the little magpie, please? Course. Thank you. Um,
6: I started it about seven years ago when I was at university. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I like to write, and it was a wee bit extra. Um, before blogging was kind of a thing. Like I kept it secret for about a year because no one did it at the time. And then that's kind of been it since then. I've been full time at it for about three years, right, three okay. and a half years. Um, so,
0: what's like a typical day like for the little micro? Rag- how many hours do you tend to spend blogging each day? It's
6: always different, like some days it'll be a shoot day, so we'll kind of shoot through. Five six hours. Yeah, okay. Sitting at um, Sundays it's just sitting at home, and catching up on emails, putting posts together, doing things like that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm down in London for meetings. So each day is so kind of a bit
0: different. It's always it's, it's different, always yeah. like new and fresh. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So what would you say? So you obviously blog. You do a lot of shoots and yeah. fashion and everything like this. What's your if you had to pick? What's your favourite part of, of the job that you do? Oh, the travel. The sure. travel. Yeah. I know Absolutely. it looks amazing. So so what can we see on your travel tab?
6: In 2018, what's coming up for you? 2018, I'm off to New York at the end of the mm-hmm. month. Um, great, great. How um, long were you there for? Four nights, five four days altogether, okay. and then Saint Lucia a couple of weeks after that.
0: So obviously, you started blogging whilst you were at university. Yeah. So when did a turning point in your career happen, and what would you say is the key
6: key turning point in your career? I you know, you couldn't pick like a key moment. I would say it was more built up over time. I like, okay. was lucky that I started, like I said, before blogging was a thing. Yeah. So when blogging grew, I kind of grew with it because okay. there were still quite a few, a few blogs yeah. at that point. Um, and then yeah, so it was just a lot of hard work and a bit of luck as well. And a bit Timing of luck. Wise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just okay. grew. I'd say quite steadily. I wouldn't say there was a moment when it's. There wasn't like a key moment, it's
0: just kind of progressed as time has gone on. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Did you always set out to make this a business or has it happened organically for you?
6: Never, no. no. Like when I started blogging, it was not at all. For the first three years, I would say nobody got paid. You know, no. It was not a career okay. at all. It was uh-huh. just girls who loved. Fashions and books. I was up set in the rooms and took photos yeah. in <laughs> And it was only kind of in the past three years that it started yeah. being a career. Whilst Amy
0: uses the internet for business growth, Alex Clark, based in the Lake District, almost relies on it to keep his design business afloat. Here's an insight into what it's like to start a business in a place where the nearest village is a 15-minute drive away. Well, first of all, just tell me about what you're doing and then tell me if you're finding it harder, the fact that you're like geographically kind of, you know, not where it's all going on type Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, I run
1: my own design, branding and marketing business uh, just outside of Cockmouth, uh, which is in um, the Lake District in the north of England. Yeah. Um, So... Where I am at the moment is I've kind of done several months of trying to build my business and getting to that point where I uh, have clients, a small client base with inquiries coming in, you know, every week or so on new work. Um, and within the area, there's only three or four other designers um, who work. So it's a very select small community and mm-hmm. the way referrals work is it's more through word of mouth rather than um through the websites, facebook that sort of thing so um you know personality yeah. and how you conduct your business is very important mm-hmm. um and that's kind of it it's got to the point where i'm sustaining my business I was gonna say
0: are you able now to like live off you know your earnings and things like that
1: um not fully mm-hmm. so um, you're having
0: to anyway. work another job
1: so I've got a cafe job which I work two and a half days a week yeah um so that like is all my living costs mm-hmm. um I'm currently living at home got a uh, office in my parents house so I'm not paying any rent yeah you know towards that not having to pay for all these extra things
0: of course yeah
1: i've got you know my bare minimum my laptop my software uh website costs so i'm at the very base of it so i am making money yeah which is fantastic
0: next i turn to peter langman and meg Callahan from the national audit office to ask about the information we're given before we start university is there enough of it the National Audit Office scrutinises public spending for Parliament, and I wanted to know whether, from their reports, students spending money on attending university was a good choice.
2: It just uh, seemed that there was a, a lack of independent um, advice available to students yeah. about at that sort of crucial in those crucial years leading up to, um, you know, eight, so sixteen, seven, fifteen, of sixteen, seven. Yeah. Then so not having that sort of um independent um advice about what's what do they really want to do what what's in their interest what are the, what are the di- different options available yeah um because it is quite a um quite opaque i think really as a system i think uh, so i
0: think just just from looking back at my own personal experience I, yeah. I had no idea at that age i really didn't you know no
2: and so the default really for for most children who've been to um you know, a reasonable school is, well, I'll go on to university. Yeah, um, exactly. and, that, uh, and I think, as I was saying, it's quite opaque, really, that the rest of the tertiary sector in this country, so further education, apprenticeships, and um, all the other, you know, vari- various ways and routes there are, mm-hmm. um, and the different financial commitments or, or, other, or not that um, those different routes have. Um, are just not really clearly explained. That. And this
1: issue of choice and making an informed choice, as Peter said, is kind of
0: an important one. On, on the flip side, of course, with with the debt, there are certain protections with this debt that, that aren't there in other types of loans. So it is an income contingent loan. So if you don't earn after you graduate particularly well, you just don't pay it back. So there are some protections there for students in later life. Yeah. Um, but it's just making sure that people are, understand those choices and understand what protections there are for them and, what, and, and making sure that they're, they're getting the best information available so they can really decide which route is best for them exactly. and you know, to weigh up those choices in informed yeah. a way as they can, really. A quick pop on a Gatwick to Key flyer and I found myself in the untouched landscape of Cornwall, notably in South Western Distillery, home to Tarquin's Gin. I was on a tour of the distillery, but I thought I'd catch the chance to find out a bit more about the gin's owner, Tarquin, who set up the distillery aged 23 without a clue about gin and where to start. Clearly, he did something right. And whilst I don't go into too much depth about Tarquin's story, the moral is that sometimes, no matter how much or how little you know, you've just got to begin.
3: When he started, didn't have much money you know so he got kind of a business loan to come down here because mm-hmm. bringing industry to cornwall was a very attractive thing to do so he got good business rates and stuff like that but it wasn't there, it wasn't like he set up with lots of money so he, he had enough money to kind of buy what to, to rent out this place this, like, uh, and then he bought this very old second-hand portuguese clutch store he also had like a paella burner a big pile of ring burner so he was just like well let me heat the, the still with this this is super borderline dangerous I'm like, we're fully accredited so don't worry you're not gonna walk into like some cowboy or well, you might actually it seems quite cowboy at the moment um, but he had this um, pile of ring burners so we use a direct naked flame to heat our stills which is super rare not many distilleries whiskey or gin do that still in the UK so very very rare and then he also seals to the top of them with bread dough So bread dough and fire are kind of our real signature techniques that not many people are using anymore if any and so yeah first year of trading 2014 we put out these bottles um, the bottle that we're sort of upgrading to next, next Monday, so we're moving away from the, the original brand. Um, but he put it out in 2014. In that first year he put it into the, into the IWSC, which is the number one kind of spirits competition. Having never made a spirit before in his life, within that first year, he was the youngest ever head distiller to, to win gold at the IWSC. So an amazing achievement for that. An amazing
0: achievement indeed. One that could be obtainable by many a budding entrepreneur if we continue to be able to learn more about funding, failures and successes to get a more well-rounded view of what it means to own a startup. For now, though, that's a wrap. I hope you've learned a little more about the wonderful world of the entrepreneur and you're ready to get your Alan Sugar on and sell a few car aerials from the back of a van. (laughs) But for now, until next time, this has been New Kid on the Block.
5: In paradise of a If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love Life could be a dream, sweetheart Hello, hello again,